the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, and hour number two is now underway. Nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks uh, so much for being with us. We can return to the discussion on masking and vaccines and all of the other nonsense uh, that is going on in our state shortly, but we're going to talk about our state in a different way, talk about its leadership, and maybe those two things are inextricably linked together, since it is the lack of leadership in the governor's office right now that has us in the mess that we are in. Joining me now is somebody who wants to boot Mike DeWine's bespectacled buffoonish arse uh, back to, uh, I don't know, wherever it is that he lives now, uh, or will when he's not living in the gubernatorial mansion. Joe Blystone is a candidate for governor of the state of Ohio. Joe Blystone, Blystone is not a politician. He's never held office. To my knowledge, he's never run. He's a farmer, and uh, he wants to run the state of Ohio. Let's ask him why now as Joe Blystone joins us on AM 1420. The answer, Joe, thanks so much for your time. How are you this morning? I'm well, Bob. How about yourself? I am great. Joe Blystone, you're a farmer. Where's the Blystone farm? Hey, the Blystone Farm sits uh, just southeast of Columbus in uh, a small town of uh, Canal Winchester. Fantastic. What, what do you farm? Uh, uh, crops? Uh, uh, animals? What do you farm? So we uh, we raise uh, Angus and uh, Hereford cross cattle uh, for our packing house on the farm. Phenomenal. Good for you. Uh, sounds tasty, actually. Uh, Joe, that's a pretty big job. That's a hefty job. That's a difficult thing. That's a difficult life, I am sure. I've never farmed, but I have the utmost respect for those who do uh, farm work. That's a lot different than politicking. That's a lot different than sitting behind a desk in Columbus, Ohio, and making important decisions on things like budgets and policing and uh, health and so on and so forth. Why do you want to leave the confines of the farm and go into political office. Wow. Uh, you, you know, Bob, uh, yeah, I, I, I never sat around dreaming about uh, getting in politics. Uh, 
obviously we we all know that politics is a dirty game um and uh it's it's all driven uh mostly uh we see by by uh the rich and powerful um last year uh it was mentally and physically draining on uh not not only ohioans but uh many folks around this state uh in in this pandemic uh how it was dealt with the uh the the narrative that was pushed and uh you know i give it to the the governor for you know 8 10 weeks before we could get some data behind us to know to know uh what we were dealing with but uh after that he uh he turned south on us and uh he kept pushing a narrative that wasn't uh, factually uh, science-based, um, and uh, then he started picking winners or losers. And uh, many, many folks, many uh, mom and pop shops were shut down because they weren't essential, uh, while holding up uh, the big uh, corporations who, uh, you know, they uh, they won the lottery per se uh, in record profits. Um, that's not the way our Constitution was written, and it's our right to uh, make a living and uh, take care of our families. Um, it is It is exactly that. Let, let me ask you, Joe, if I may interrupt for just a second. Is it safe to say that what happened in 2020, a lot of what you're describing right now, is why you are running? In other words, if COVID had not existed, if the pandemic had not hit, would you still be looking at politics, or is this solely a response to what happened last year? Uh, well, Bob, I, I do think that that's a big part of it. Um, we saw the uh, the taking of our rights away, which I never thought in my lifetime I would ever see, uh, and and I and, and many Ohioans feel the same way. We we and and we're done uh, with the politicians that the, they they don't have our best interest at heart. They they go to Columbus and they do their their dealings. Um, and, and, and it's not for the people anymore. It's, it's, it's for their own gain. And, and, uh, this is just the most opportune time. Uh, we saw Trump, uh, awake everybody in this country. And that's, uh, it, it's our job now to pick that torch up and run with it. Uh, and folks need to get involved. Folks that are just common, hardworking people. Uh, and we need to take our system back. So, Joe Blystone, you are Trump, pro-Trump. You're America first, right? Absolutely, sir. How do you feel about the fact that President Trump, because i got to be honest with you, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big supporter of our 45th president as well. Um, I have not always understood some of the decisions he made when it came to endorsements. How do you feel about the fact that President Trump endorsed Mike DeWine for his first uh, run at this office? He, and I'm not saying he will again, but he certainly did the first time. Um, Mike DeWine is anything but America first. He's anything but pro-Trump. Uh, in fact, he refused to see the president uh, uh, when he came to, to town uh, during the campaign right before the election. Then, of course, uh, this spring, he was happy to greet Joe Biden when he came to town. So President Trump once endorsed uh, Mike DeWine. I I, I, what, how do you feel about that, Joe? Well, I I, I think it's uh, you know we we voters uh, we go to the the polls and uh, we vote 
historically for the lesser of the two evils. And uh, well, I can honestly say that uh, uh, DeWine back then was the lesser of the two evils. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has lost the conservative uh, here in Ohio, and I believe that he will lose the governor's chair because we're going to break the mold in politics here. We're going to take Ohio back uh, in true conservatism fashion. Um, we're we're done with the the politics between uh, these two parties, and we are going to work for the people. Period. Joe, um, I like you referencing, you know, President Trump coming along as an outsider, a non-politician, never been elected, never run for office, and and coming in and, and just changing the way things are done, because I think he did a great job of that. It sounds like that's kind of where you come from, too, outsider, uh, looking to come in and do things the way the people want them done. But nonetheless, it's going to take a lot of uh, knowledge that you don't have or experience you don't have. Let's put it that way. Uh, you're going to need a team, are you not, to teach you about budgets and teach you about, uh, uh, you know, all, all of the different things that, uh, you know, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, legislation, working with the Ohio legislature. You're going to need somebody who has done this before to help guide you. Have you put together a team like that or is that something you're kind of working on as you go? Uh, we, we, uh, we're currently putting a team together, Bob. Uh, we are uh, going through the budget, uh, and uh, we're 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 seeing where all the waste is um, that we need to cut out. But uh, uh, these local, uh, you know, these folks that get hired into these positions, they're not willing to make hard decisions. And the hard decisions is we need to cut out the waste. Um, we need to uh, make the state work for the people. Uh, and not big corporate uh, donors, uh, and that's where we're at. Uh, and and it, it's, it's not just right now. That's we've been we've been here for decades. Um, and 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 I want to bring the bring the government here in Ohio back to uh, the way it should be, where our representation is being taken to the highest seat here in Ohio and bring the power back to the people because mm-hmm. the people feel like their voices, their vote is being canceled. Um, and we saw that last year where uh, the tyrant uh, DeWine that we have in there now, he, he, he single-handedly took over the state. He stopped listening to our representatives, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. But You're we right. have to have... We we need somebody speaking up, and we got to get in the get in the fight here because we as conservatives we've always been kind of quiet. We like to sit on the sideline. We like to work hard, take care of our families, be positive parts of community, uh, and we don't like to fight. We don't like to be loud. And I t- and, and every speech I give Bob around this state, I tell folks it's time to get into the fight. We got to take the system back over. And if we don't, and we don't get involved, we deserve whatever comes down the pike. And I'm done. I'm done sitting on the on, on the sideline. And Bob, I'm a farmer, and I and I run a, a a business, and I work seven days a week. So I'm willing to put my business and my livelihood on the side, and I'm going to get in this fight. 
I'm going to be part of the answer, not part of the problem. Joe Blystone is my guest. He is a farmer who is a candidate for governor, a declared candidate for governor. You're hearing some of the reasons why. Joe, I'm looking at your campaign website, and I just wanted to get a couple of issues in on you. You know, you you say you're uh, for upholding state sovereignty, protecting the Second Amendment, preserving preserving the sanctity of life, health autonomy, managing state spending and shrinking the tax burden. Those are all positive things. I would certainly agree with reigning in big tech. Uh, let me ask you about just the, the state of Ohio economy. You talked about what, what DeWine did and how much he crippled it. Prior to the pandemic, however, Ohio was somewhere around 37th out of 50 states in job growth. We were not doing well as a state under DeWine's leadership anyway. What would be your priority in terms of trying to turn this state around economically, notwithstanding the pandemic, but just your, your prescription for getting people back to work in this state? Well, you know, it's, it's, it, how about we use some common sense thinking? How about we cut the unemployment out? Um, we we got to get people back to work. You know, if we're, if we're paying people more to sit at home and not work, my gosh, they're, that's where they're going to be. Um, we have to make the hard decision, and we, we just need to cut out the, the free money. Um, and that all goes back to our, uh, our, our unemployment here in this state. Um, you know, uh, last year, uh, we paid out over 260 something plus million dollars in fraudulent claims. Um, and why? Well, it was the mismanagement of the current administration. Uh, and, and his answer to that, to, to, to fix that is put, uh, a million plus dollar, uh, contract to get together with Google Analytics to fix our unemployment system. That's uh, how. How is that going to help our system? You know, big tech is not our friend. Big tech is our enemy. So that yeah. is not going to fix the system. I completely agree with that. Uh, hey, hey, Joe, we're just about out of time here. I want to ask you one last question as far as your ability to run this race and fight this fight. You know, the governor's obviously got his team and his campaign war chest good to go because he's got the benefit of being the incumbent. Jim Renacci is coming after him. He's got a very good campaign funding uh, platform as well. How flush are you with the cash? Can you fight this thing? Do you have enough support financially to run this thing to the end? You know, here, here's the great thing about this, Bob, being just, uh, I, you know, I'm a blue-collar worker. I'm a, I'm a farmer. I'm a business guy. Uh, I run a pretty good business. We employ a little over 50 people on the farm. Uh, I, I'm one of the people. I can relate to the people, and these folks are inspired by my message and uh, my work ethic to work hard for them. So they're signing up to volunteer all over this state. In three months, Bob, we have representation, district leaders and county leaders in all 88 counties. How does that happen with volunteers? It's because they like the message. They're willing to get involved because they know we got to take Ohio back. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's, it's an ambitious undertaking, but it does sound like you've got a hell of a grassroots organization started here, as you say, on the ground and in 88 counties as well. So uh, you've got a message that really is appealing to a lot of people. I'm interested to see how this whole thing plays out. I'm glad you came on for an introduction here to the uh, voters of Northeast Ohio with me. I hope, hope we can uh, get you back on again. 
Yes, sir. Thank you, Bob, for the opportunity. Thank you, sir, and the best of luck to you. God bless. That's uh, Joe Blystone, constitutional conservative. You know what I love is I'm looking at his um, his uh, uh, campaign page, web page, which is blystoneforgovernor.com. His logo is Joe Blystone, constitutional conservative, underneath a black cowboy hat, a silhouette of a, of a cowboy hat. It looks like he's running for governor of Texas with that logo. But you know what? Maybe that's what uh, this state needs, somebody to run this state the way Texans run their state. Who knows? Uh, But thank you to Joe Blystone. I certainly appreciate that. We'll be right back. Okay, 1028 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to uh, Joe Blystone talking about uh, what ails Ohio and uh, what he aims to do to fix it. Speaking of that, um, I want to remind you about tonight's webinar. I will be hosting uh, another CFFS Ohio webinar. That's Citizens for Free Speech. Ohio chapter. I am the co-chapter leader along with my friend Dan Hermata, who you probably remember because Dan has been on with me before and talked to, uh, talked to us about the red-green axis exposed and uh, before that Act for America and other things. Anyway, tonight is our latest uh, monthly webinar uh, for Citizens for Free Speech, and our guest presenter tonight is going to be Stephanie Stock. Now, Stephanie Stock is one of the leaders of Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom, that is a phenomenally important organization because they have been fighting and sharing information uh, and fighting to make sure that your rights are not violated in this state when it comes to uh, your right to worship, when it comes to your right to gather, when it comes to your right to not have to uh, breathe in recycled carbon dioxide instead of clean oxygen talking about masks, and when it comes to your right to not have to take an experimental drug cocktail called a vaccine, but not really vaccinating you, um, at the risk of perhaps being denied a job or access to goods and services. Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom, very important group, so important and so popular that they had some 40,000 people on their Facebook page and 20,000 on another, and both of them were deplatformed by Facebook because they were doing too good of work. Uh, within a couple of days of one another. But Stephanie Stock and Ohio Advocates for Medical Freedom are leading the push to pass House Bill 248 introduced by Jennifer Gross. I've told you about it countless numbers of times. If you want to learn more about it than I can give you, Stephanie will present that to you tonight in our webinar. So here's what I need you to do. Log on and do it now so you don't forget later. Log on to citizensforfreespeech.org citizensforfreespeech.org, all spelled out, no trickery, citizensforfreespeech.org, forward slash Ohio. So citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio. Find your way to become a member of CFFS Ohio just on that page. Then you'll be prompted to register for tonight's webinar. You cannot watch the webinar tonight at 7.30 p.m. without registering as a member of Citizens for Free Speech Ohio. It's completely free, and no information will be collected or shared. No information will be shared whatsoever, just so you know, much less sold. So you have my word on that. Please log on to citizensforfreespeech.org slash Ohio and register for tonight's webinar with Stephanie Stock. It's extraordinarily important to the state of Ohio and to all of our rights. 
We'll get news now, and then we'll come back, and we're going to talk to Jack Phillips, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado, and we'll talk about his new book, uh, which is an anthology, if you will, of his, his incredible ordeal over the course of the last nine years. That's coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1037, we continue now. A couple of minutes late coming back. My apologies for that, but I uh, promise you I'm going to make it worth your wait. This is going to be a conversation that you're going to remember because uh, I don't know how any of us have ever forgotten what happened to Jack Phillips. I just can't believe that it's been nine years. That's what blows my mind. I said earlier this morning, Jack Phillips might be the OG of cancel culture. He might have been the original victim of cancel culture. When two men walked into his shop on July 19th in 2012 into his Colorado uh, cake shop and asked for a same-sex wedding cake to be designed and created and, and made by, by Jack Phillips. And Jack Phillips was forced at that time to make a decision of a lifetime. Probably didn't know at the time that it would occupy the better part of the next nine years of his life and that it would put his business and, in family, and his family in jeopardy, but that's exactly what happened. They tried to cancel him, and even though he has won at the Supreme Court level, the battle still goes on. Jack has written a book about his experiences in the last nine years. It's called The Cost of My Faith. How a decision in my cake shop took me to the Supreme Court. It is out now, and uh, here to tell us about it is Jack Phillips, the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop. He is accompanied, by the way, by Alliance Defending Freedom uh, attorney Jake Warner, who is uh, with Jack whenever he talks about these things because of obvious reasons. There is uh, an ongoing legal battle over this situation. So, Jack Phillips, first of all, good morning to you. Thank you for your time, sir. How are you? I'm just fine. Thanks for having us today. It's a real yes. honor. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure. And uh, Jake Warner, thank you for coming on as well. How are you, Jake? I'm doing well. Thanks for having us on the show. Yes, sir. Jack, I just kind of laid out a little bit of the backstory. Most people know the story, but um, you, you didn't. There's no way you could have known that when this uh, this question was made of you, or, or this request rather, was made of you to to make a cake for a same sex wedding, and you had no idea that the answer you gave at that time was going to put your business and your family through nine years, if you'll excuse my language here, but nine years of hell. Um, when you look back at that right now, and it, I mean, can, 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 how, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you satisfy your own sense of, I made the right decision, when you look back at everything you've been through, Jack? Well, first of all, we made a decision when we opened the cake shop. My wife and I discussed what it would look like, that we would serve everybody doesn't matter who comes in the shop we gladly serve them that's why i went into retail but i can't create cakes with every message that people ask me to and in you know way back then we decided that we would not create cakes that celebrated halloween or that had alcohol in them or that uh, were un-american or racist or cakes that would integrate or insult other people including people who identify as lgbt we also decided way back then that we wouldn't create cakes to celebrate same-sex weddings, even though nobody really even thought about that. It was illegal, you know, in Colorado. Right. So to uh, make those decisions and then realize that, you know, my faith is what compels all my actions in these things, and to end up in court for this long was really unimaginable. So let me ask you this. How many times prior to this incident had you had to say no? You know, because you said you made the decision when you went into the business. We wouldn't make cakes for A, B, C, D, and E, all the things you just listed. Did you get requests for those things? Have you had to tell people no before? Yeah, I think that's one of the um, advantages when these two men came in because um, 
deciding not to create Halloween cakes. You know, every September, October, people start coming in and asking, and so we'd have to find ways to graciously tell them, you know, we'll serve you anything else, um, but that's a cake we can't create, and that uh, we had, you know, three or four um, offers to create cakes to celebrate same-sex ceremonies and, and those things, and so we were already ready, and when these two men came in, we knew what our line in the sand would be and how not to cross it, not just not to cross it, but how not to cross it, and trying to do it with grace to tell them, you know, we'll gladly serve you any other product that we have, but we can't create this one because of its inherent message. You know, Jack, we're talking to Jack Phillips, the owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado, and we're looking back at 2012 when his life and his business changed. Um, I like, I don't know how many uh, hundreds or thousands of political talk show hosts have covered your story through the last nine years a ton of times. Um but just to kind of recap or rehash, rather, some of that, uh, you had served these two individuals before. You knew they were a same-sex couple, and you had never, ever refused them service based on their status as an LGBTQ couple uh, in, in the numerous times they came in before, right? Actually, I had never uh, served them before, but I have served many other um, LGBT people, including a man named Mike Jones, who... Uh, uh, testified in our recent trial in uh, March. We were in court for our third lawsuit, and he's a gay man who, uh, I said, was a former activist. And he came in to see, you know, came in one day to see who this man was who wouldn't serve gays, and found out that wasn't the truth. And we've since become good friends. And uh, the, our latest lawsuit that I just mentioned is from an attorney who uh, um, asked us to create a, a custom cake. It was blue on the outside and pink on the inside, and those colors were to celebrate a gender transition. Again, you know, we'll serve this person in any other capacity we serve anybody else, but I couldn't express that message. Well, so thank you for the correction. Yeah, thank you for the correction. You did not know these two men, but you the point was that I remember yeah. uh, covering this before. You had served many gay people before, and you even, in fact, offered to serve those two gay men with anything else that you make, anything else that you sell, but you just couldn't make a cake based on that, on the ceremony that they wanted you to help be a part of by creating this cake, correct? That's the difference. Yeah, and in the costume of my faith, I explained that it was like a 20-second uh, conversation where I didn't have a chance to explain to them all the details of that. But I thought in the two sentences that I said, you know, I'll gladly create uh, birthday cakes, shower cakes, sell you cookies and brownies. You know, I'll make other custom cakes. You can buy anything out of my showcase. I'll gladly serve you, but I can't create this cake because of the message. And no American should be forced to uh, create messages that they, uh, or say, say messages Right. messages that they don't agree with. Well, that's you know that's the First Amendment. I know that's what your attorneys and uh, supporters at Alliance Defending Freedom have pointed out. I know I've talked to them about your case many times before. Forced speech or compelled speech is just as much of a violation of the First Amendment as denial of speech or censorship of speech. Forcing you to say something you don't want to say through the creation of a cake is a violation of your First Amendment rights. Um, and, and now here you are, nine years later, you already won in the Supreme Court on this, and they're still coming after you with this as you just pointed out this pink and blue transition cake they know full well what they're doing this is an attempt to destroy you and take you down um do you think this will ever end jack is this going to be what your fate is for the rest of the business the existence of the business well the uh the attorney who's suing me in this case uh during the process of the court and all this we went to uh, face-to-face mediation this attorney myself and the mediator and I was told by this attorney at that meeting 
that if my case was dismissed for any reason, a technicality, whatever, or if I won it, that I was promised the very next day I would get a phone call and I would get a new cake and we'd start all over again. And not only was that um, uh, told to me face-to-face in that meeting, a private meeting, it was uh, reiterated under oath in the trial that this attorney said, yep, I'm going to come back again. You were victimized. Uh, as I said, I think maybe the first victim of cancel culture. Um, do you see what happened to you happening all around the country right now when you see so many people who are being uh, you know, forced to do something or forced to apologize for doing something at the risk of having their business destroyed if they don't do it the way that the uh, social justice warriors of the day want them to do it? Yeah, you see that happening to large corporations, and you don't really, you can't really relate to that. But this is not a large corporation. This is just a family business. Uh, my wife and I own it. My daughter works for me. All my kids have worked for me at different points. My mom was working for me when this happened, and the uh, Colorado Civil Rights Commission told me that I had to uh, change my policies, um, retrain my staff, and teach them the errors of my way, including my mom. And my mom told me, you know, flat out. I won't be re-educated. And, you know, I just, I love you, Mom. That was cool. But, yeah, the the things that they've done have been just incredibly unbelievable. And this is a small place. If it can happen to me, it can happen anywhere. Oh, and it is. And it is happening in so many other places. You mentioned the large corporations, but it is the small mom-and-pop type shops like yours that I'm talking about. And I'm talking about flower shops, even particular to weddings. You know, flower shops, DJs, uh, uh, you know, floral uh, arrangers, all these people asked to create these things for same-sex weddings or other type of events that they their faith tells them, no, I can't be a part of that. I wish you well, like you did. I'll recommend other people who will do what you want done, but I can't do it because of my faith. And they have all paid that very, very heavy price. So what I want to ask you is, what about that price, Jack? I know that ADF, that legal ministry, and, and you know, I'm so proud of and happy that you have the support of them, and Jake Warner sitting right next to you is a part of that. They do your legal work pro bono, as they do for so many others who are threatened with these types of violations of religious liberties. But you still have caught, this has cost you untold amounts of money. Can you tell me the amount of money this has cost your family and your business? Well, like you say, ADF represents all of their clients pro bono for free, and they have never charged me a dime. They represent all their clients that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they run on donations, and they can always use the donations and the help from everybody, average citizens. Um, but it has been uh, costly for us. At the beginning of this, I had 10 employees. I was down to four, including me. And then, you know, the loss of our wedding business, the commission said that from now on I had to start creating wedding cakes for everybody, regardless of... Uh, their orientation or what they asked me to create but uh that was that forced us to decide whether we keep doing wedding cakes or whether we uh drop that very important very profitable part of our business and so we had to choose that and we chose not to create wedding cakes and that's still in effect while we're still in court and I, uh, like I said, I, I, I can't imagine what the number is, but those dollars over nine years, the amount of money you have lost in business because of this, and maybe other business people who just said, I'm not going to the bigots cake shop, because that's how you're known in the, you know, in the, uh, in the, the far left, uh, community that has been trying to take you down. They're gonna, they're gonna try to stop people from shopping there for anything. If they're coming in for a dozen cookies or something, they're not gonna, they're not gonna come. So the reason I set all that up, Jack Phillips, is to ask you, after all of these losses and the pain and the heartache and the threats to you, the threats to your family, nine years later, 
Do you ever look back and say, I should have just made the doggone cake? No, the, the lines in the sand that we drew way back then have not changed, and I would still have to make the same decision today, and I would gladly do that. Same thing with this uh, celebrating a gender transition. I can't be forced by my government to uh, uh, create messages that go against my faith, and I wouldn't do that. And even if uh, you know, it costs us everything, we still have to do what's right. I knew you were going to say that, uh, and, I'm so, and I did, and, and I'm so proud of you for standing by your convictions. This isn't, you know, our faith is not something we can choose just to abandon when it's convenient. Um, what advice would you give, Jack Phillips, to somebody else who is faced with this? If somebody else comes in demanding to do something that they know perhaps is an agenda, but to, to do something that would violate their faith, but that is part of the new social justice normative thinking, uh, what advice would you have them? Because not everybody's going to have ADF at their disposal. Not everybody's going to be able to get pro bono legal defense here. ADF is awesome, but they're not everywhere. So what, what advice would you give people? Yeah, well, they like say every American should be able to live and work according to their conscience without fear of punishment from the government. But when you draw these lines, you have to know that you can stand up for them. If, if more people would stand up, these lines would be clear to everybody and the government would know that they couldn't attack us. So when you make your lines, you have to stand by them. But the lines have to be worth fighting for. And my faith that compels everything that I do is worth that fight. And always contact ADF. If they can't help you, at least support them because they're by uh, helping me, they're helping everybody. Yeah, no question about it. Jack Phillips' book is worth reading. It's called The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court. And let me let me bring Jake on for a second here. I never talk to anybody from Alliance Defending Freedom without promoting their donation uh, button on their webpage. But Jake Warner, just briefly, if you could, um, you know, this is this is one of your biggest, most high-profile clients that you have represented here in Jack and, and Masterpiece Cake Shop. And uh, nine years in, uh, you guys have never abandoned him. Do you think this is something that's going to go on in perpetuity? every time as he said that they win one of one one case or something is made they're going to come back with a new demand to, to make sure that they continue to put uh, you guys and Jack on the defensive well, we certainly hope not certainly there are activists around the country weaponizing these laws to try to punish people they disagree with but what we need is the US Supreme Court to to weigh in on this issue and to affirmatively say that government doesn't have the power to force people like Jack who serve everyone but can't express every message to speak in ways that violate their core beliefs. And we think one day the U.S. Supreme Court is definitely going to do that. Well, you know, I'm glad you say that because we talked about this at the beginning and Jack talks about it in his book about the case before the Supreme Court that he did win. But obviously that wasn't enough of an affirmative decision to make sure nobody else can do this. What did he win in that Supreme Court case? Well, in Jack's first case, the Supreme Court did not even have to reach the free speech question because the religious hostility was so apparent. Hey, you might remember that the court ruled in Jack's favor because the Colorado Civil Rights Commission treated him worse than other cake artists. While it allowed other cake artists to decline to express messages that go against their core beliefs, right. it refused to give Jack that same freedom. And it also highlighted some hostile comments that the Colorado Civil Rights Commission people made during the course of Jack's hearing. Um, so based on that, those facts alone, the court said there's enough hostility here to show a constitutional violation of Jack's First Amendment rights. And what we're seeing now is cases around the country populating up through the federal court system, addressing that issue that the court didn't have to address in Jack's first case, whether government can compel speech in this context. And more and more courts are saying, no, the government does not have that power.
Well, and, and I'm so glad to see that you guys continue to represent Jack and to have his back in this case. As I said to him a moment ago, you guys do amazing work. You don't take a nickel for your work when you represent clients like this. But as I said, you're not an army of 5,000 lawyers. Um, it, it's a small legal defense ministry. Uh, how do you choose your cases, Jake? How do you, how do you decide who gets, uh, you know, who, who gets to be represented by ADF and who doesn't? Well, we try to help out as many people as we can. Uh, certainly, with the the tens of lawyers that we have, we get you know we can't help everyone. We get um, over five thousand requests for legal help some year. That, that was the, the example from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we try to pray through uh, the cases, try to strategically think about uh, those cases, and then we end up litigating a few cases every year. And we try to do the very best work we can helping those that come in contact with us. Well, you guys are an amazing organization, one of the most important organizations, really, for free people in this country, uh, because you you support and defend their religious liberty and their First Amendment rights as well. Alliance Defending Freedom's website is adflegal.org, adflegal.org, and there's a red donate button in the upper right-hand corner of that page. As Jack Phillips himself just said, they can't do this for free. They need support of the people. So if you can support ADF Legal, do it at adflegal.org. Jake Warner. Uh, thank you so very much uh, from ADF and Jack Phillips, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shops and again, author of a new book The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court Jack, best of luck to you with both the book and the ongoing legal battles Well, thank you Mr. Prince, it's been an honor to be on your show today. Thank you both very much God bless you uh-huh. All right, that's Jack Phillips and Jake Warner We'll uh, get out here, it's obviously very late We'll come back in with a closing thought right after this Okay, 1057, final segment is a short one as always. Maybe time for a call or two here. Let's see what happens. Barbara is calling from Cleveland. Barbara, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Thanks. I appreciated the interview you just did. Perfect. And I loved Jack's mother's comment about I won't be reeducated. That was I love tremendous. that, too. That is yeah, awesome. Have, yeah, and I have a few other comments. One is um, mm-hmm. this whole thing about the mask and the fear that's involved, and also even I'm morphing over to cancel culture. The psychological term is learned helplessness. You know, say a battered woman or someone that's been in an abusive relationship, and that's, it's almost abuse from the government in, in all the respects, and this term of learned helplessness, I just wanted to throw that out there. And um, also this H.R. 21, I would like if you can give, even a few times on the show, uh, the numbers that we can call our senator or our congressman, in order to fight that, uh, say, you're saying 21. You, do you mean 248? Sorry, sorry it's HR1. Is it HR1? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm the one I've been talking about is HR 248. You're talking about the Ohio, or you're talking about the national? Uh, 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 I'm talking about the national. Election. Oh, you're talking about the election law. Okay, that's S1. Yeah, that's S1. It was <laughs> HR1 in this in the house. Sorry. Yes, got it, got it. Okay, you're talking about the election issue now. I thought since we were talking about uh, 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 yeah. max masks and vaccinations, you were talking about no, HB 240 in Ohio. No, these are unrelated. Unrelated gotcha. Well, let that. me say this because I've only got 10 seconds left. Thank you, Barb, for the call. Um, yes, I will indeed endeavor to get you all the information you can to reach your senators about HR1 or excuse me about. Senate Bill 1 on the national level, and yes, we will continue to fight for HB 248 here at the Ohio level. Don't forget, join us for the webinar tonight, citizensforfreespeech.org. See you. Bye-bye.